There are many mornings I wake up and that very song is the first thing on my mind when I wake up is that Jesus, I love you. It's the very first thing when I wake up. There are other mornings I wake up and I feel the pressure. I feel the weight of everything that's going on. And then there are mornings that I wake up and the first thing that's in my mind is Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. The Bible says, follow after peace. And so when you wake up, there's two different ways that you can follow in your day. There's a way that you can follow after the stress. You can follow after that, that pressure, that thing that's on your mind as soon as you wake up. Or you can follow after peace and follow after that Jesus, I love you, just creating that atmosphere the first moment you wake up. And I believe we need to follow after peace. That doesn't have anything to do with what I'm preaching, but I felt a prompting in saying that in the spirit. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Why don't we give my father and pastor a hand clap? Even though it's not Father's Day, he deserves it each and every week. I don't do this often, but in echoing last week as Father's Day, I was supposed to preach then, and I've still got it in my notes, and I'm going to say it anyway. My, my poppy, the bishop of this church, I give him honor. He's no longer with us, but he was a father to this church. Give him honor here today every time I step into the pulpit. Um, a memory popped up on my Facebook, I believe it was about two weeks ago, popped up, and it was six years ago on Father's Day weekend was the first message that I preached in this church. It was the year my grandpa passed away, my dad asked me to preach Father's Day. I'm not sure why he does that, because I'm not a father, but he asked me, that was the first time I had preached here, and I just want to say thank you to the to you all as the church. You've been so kind to me. You've been so good to me. So many fathers and mothers that I have in this church. So many people that have just personally been good to me. You've watched me growing up. You've seen me from a young age and you've given me honor even at a young age. And so I thank many of you. I want to say thank you for pushing me. Thank you for continuing to believe in me and honoring me. This is an amazing church. This is an end time church and I fully expect great, supernatural, unprecedented revival to hit this church because of the prayers that have been prayed, the foundation that's been laid, because of the atmosphere that we live in, the environment of where this world is. I fully expect we are an in-time church, in-time revival. Amen. I want to read a few passages of Scripture. John chapter 18, verse 33 to 36. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, and then John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. I'll read quickly. John chapter 18, verse 33 to 36, and it says, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirits, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. I want to go back to verse Six, if we can, Israel. Verse six says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Somebody say that flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Spirit is spirit. Say that with me. Today, before you're seated, I want us to begin to pray a prayer of repentance to get our hearts right, to hear what the spirit is saying in this place. I want us to begin to pray that God would come down. The rapture of the church is closer than it ever has been before. The rapture is closer than it's ever been before. The Bible says, repent for the kingdom is at hand. That means it's here, it's upon us, and it's upon us now more than ever before. So before we see it, can we lift up our hands and just begin to pray, God, I pray that we'd receive every word you have for us here today. I pray that you'd speak what you want us to hear, O Lord. We repent before you. We cleanse out our hearts, O Lord, so that we can hear what you want us to say, what you want us to hear in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, God. We praise you, Jesus. I'd like to preach to you today from the subject, who's your daddy? As we say in Indiana, who's your daddy? Y'all can be seated. Now, I was supposed to preach on Father's Day, so this is somewhat of a Father's Day message, but I believe this is the word that the Lord is speaking to the church, and so stay with me for a little bit. I I would describe the Bible as a relational book. It's a relational book. Unlike other religions, the Bible begins and it ends with relationship and covenants. From the start of creation, God made man so that he could dwell with them, talk to him, relationship. He then made Eve because it wasn't good that man should be alone. That's relationship. He, we see that the relationship of God with Abel was greater than that with Cain. The relationship of Abraham as a friend of God. The relationship of David as a man after God's own heart. Even though David messed up in his relationship, even though he had flaws, it was still a relationship, a covenant, a bond that God held because he loved David. It was all about relationship, the good and the bad relationships of Israel. The Bible is a relational book and we serve a God of relationship. He relates to your hurts, your pains, your struggles, your thoughts. He understands your mind like no one else does because he created you. He created your mind. Why am I talking about relationship? Well, because there needs to be a greater understanding of our relationship with God before we're to enter into the kingdom and do what the kingdom work is. We need to understand our relationship with our God, with our master who created us. We need to have a better relationship with the person that we're going to spend eternity with. Amen. 
I don't need to go down the line, but relationship is not a Sunday event only. It's an everyday event. And so I'm preaching here today, who's your daddy? Let's talk about the relationship of a father, the relationship of a father. A dad will do things for you that nobody else can, nobody else will. I'm not a dad, but I've got one that's a father and a pastor in my life. I call him, I submit to him. He makes a lot of jokes when I'm trying to be serious that really drives me insane. (laughs) If anybody knows our pastor, he wants to be known as the funniest person on earth. Also a pastor, but he... (laughs) But I submit to him, and he's always there for me. He'd always do anything for me. A dad does things that he doesn't want to do. He's done plenty of things for me that he doesn't want to do. He doesn't like to do, but why does he do it? Because he's a dad, and he loves me. He loves me as his child. A father loves his children. That's why a dad does what he does. And so this father-child relationship is the same type of relationship that we have with our God. Amen? Once we get into the New Testament, the Bible uses a distinct father language. It talks about the father. It stresses that God is our father. We have the Lord's prayer, the way Jesus taught us to pray, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now we know that the Father is Jesus Christ. They're one and the same. Jesus told Philip in John 14, 19, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. 1 John 2, 1 says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So again, We see in this verse that Jesus Christ is the Father. But more importantly, we see here that we are not dead in our sins. We're not dead in our sins. We have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Now, I've got a special relationship with my dad, with my father, but I've got two little sisters that they've got an advocate with the Father, (laughs) They've got an advocate with the father. And so there are times I love Japanese food. Does anybody like Japanese food? Okay, three people like Japanese food. I love Japanese food. And so there are times I I want a good Japanese steakhouse dinner, but I can't pay for a Japanese steakhouse dinner. (laughs) But he can. (laughs) And so if I want a good Japanese steakhouse dinner, what I do is I get out my phone And I call and rings and I say, hey, Ren. (laughs) Doesn't Japanese food sound really good right now? You know, you you should call dad. (laughs) And you should tell him that we, we should have Japanese tonight because Ren, the youngest, the little one, she's got an advocate with the father. She's got a special relationship with the father that she's got him wrapped around her fingers. So if I want something, I go through her to get to him. (laughs) But see, this type of relationship that she has, that advocate, that's the type of relationship that we have with our God. Our God loves us so much that he would do anything for us. He loves us so much that he would give anything to us. We have an advocate with the Father as his children. Amen? 
Now hang with me, I'm going somewhere. I want to go back to our verses. First off, John chapter 18 talks about the kingdom. It says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from hence. Second Timothy 4.18 says, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, if anybody, I know Justin Wallen probably knows, but if anybody else knows what's going on, two weeks ago, our father, our pastor, preached this exact, from these exact same verses and preached about the kingdom and preached about kingdom warfare and the fight that we're going in and the fight that we're on and how the kingdoms do not compare to one another. The kingdom of hell and the kingdom of Jesus, they don't compare to one another and how God is the king of kings and Lord of lords and he will win this battle. Amen. And so we are a part of that kingdom, but we are a part of it in a twofold manner. First off, we are subjects, we are grafted in, we are servants to the king. We are living under that king, we are living under his rule. But not only are we subjects and servants, but we are also friends and better yet, children of the king. Let me stay right here for a moment. Jesus says in John 15, 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. This means that we know what's going on in the kingdom. Stay with me. I'm going deep for a little bit here. We know what's happening in the kingdom. We're not just servants that are in this plot of God that are just along for this storyline. We're not just a side character in the story that's just riding on the will of God. We're not just here, but we know what's going on in the kingdom because we are children of the king. We are friends of the king. We know what is taking place. You're not just along for the ride of God's plan, but you are instrumental in what's taking place right now. You're instrumental in what's happening in the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We're of a different kingdom, and so we are in a special place right now where we play a part of what's happening both in here and outside of the church. We're in a spiritual fight, a spiritual warfare like Sister Rachel and Brother and Sister Harless have been talking about we're in a spiritual fight right now. Moving on, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Bilal or the devil, and what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And so this is the two kingdoms fighting back and forth. We see this in 2 Corinthians. We see light with darkness. We see righteousness with unrighteousness. These are the two kingdoms, but not only are these kingdoms fighting, but it says God is dwelling in you. The kingdom is inside of you. And so you're in this spiritual fight because it's inside of you. And then verse 17 says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. See, God here is saying, you are my child and I will be your father. You're my father. As the king, we... We are children to the king. We are children to the master. But remember, this relationship is covenantal. 
It's saying, come out from among them, be ye separate, and I will. It's a clause that requires separation and dedication to the kingdom of God. That which is flesh is flesh, but that which is of the spirit is of the spirit. The Bible says that we are born in flesh. You aren't born in the spirit. You're not born as a part of this kingdom. We're born as a part of the kingdom of the world. Automatically, we are born into flesh. But once you are born in the spirit, once you receive the spirit of God, once that spirit is inside of you, that which is of spirit is spirit. You don't serve that kingdom anymore, but now you're under a child of the king. You're under a part of that heavenly kingdom, and you're a part of the kingdom of God. We cannot be a part of two kingdoms. We cannot serve two masters. If you spend all of your time reading, watching, studying, listening to the kingdom of righteousness, if you spend all of your time in the kingdom of righteousness, you're not going to know what the kingdom of God is doing. You're not going to be a part of that kingdom, but the Bible says it dwells in you. If you put it in your body, that's what dwells in you. Whatever we put inside of us is what's going to come out of us. And so we've got to put the kingdom of God inside of us so that it can come out of us. We must be a part of the kingdom of God. Come on, let's worship him for a minute in here. Separation is a requirement. Separation is a requirement. Now I understand the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the church is saying. I'm speaking in the spirit right now. If you're not in the spirit of God's kingdom, you're not going to fully understand what I'm about to get into and, and work in right here. But we prayed for repentance at the start so that we could be cleaned out so that we could hear what the spirit is saying to the church right now. So the events that are taking around the world right now are absolute atrocities. Everything that's happening is an absolute atrocity. Everything that's taking place, the church should hurt for every single life lost by the virus, every life lost by brutality, every life lost by rioting, every life lost by anything and everything that's taking place. Why? Because that's another life lost for the kingdom. Not this kingdom out here, but the kingdom of God. That's another life lost for the kingdom of God. We've got to get that mentality that it's not a life lost in the flesh, but it's a life lost in the spirit. We've got to be a part of that spirit kingdom. And there are two camps that people fall into. I'm saddened by the pain in this world. The church should be saddened, but there are two camps that people have fallen into and they've formed opinions of what the church should do, what the church should be in this time. First off, people say the church should be at the forefront. They should be promoting love. They should be promoting racial unity. They should be at the forefront of everything that's going on and helping out with all the coronavirus and everything. They should stand up for violence, stand up against everything that's going on. And second, people say, well, the Bible says don't be entangled with the affairs of this world. And so the church needs to stay out of this. They don't need to get into all of it. Well, I'm going to talk about it. First off, both of these statements are correct and yet incorrect. The church should be at the forefront promoting love, but not in the same manner as the world, not in the same manner as the other kingdom. 
See, Jesus was here on this earth during a time of great turmoil and unrest, and Jesus had an influence to speak the word, and I'm in the book right now. When Jesus got up, the Jews thought that they were going to overthrow the Romans. They thought that they were going to overthrow the system, and that they would be the masters and the Romans would be the slaves. They thought that that's what Bible prophecy had declared unto them, but Jesus got up, and he stopped reading the book at the same place that they thought they were going to receive all this victory, and it was going to come in this way but he did talk about the times he did talk about what was going on but it was a different manner he was always connected to the kingdom of God he was always connected it was a different angle a different perspective Jesus approached everything from a kingdom perspective He spoke with the voice of the spirit behind him, not the voice of the flesh, but the voice of the spirit, not the voice of human reason, but the voice of the spirit. He spoke with the voice of the spirit. Now I want to say everybody in this room has opinions. We've all got opinions on what's going on. We've got opinions of Corona. We've got opinions of brutality. We've got opinions of inequality. We've got opinions of the riots, the protests, the president, the sports. We've got opinions of the news. Sadly, we've got opinions of the church and what the church should be doing during all of this. But I want to tell you, we better be careful because each one of us has opinions. Each one of us has a voice of human reason and each one of us has a voice of the flesh. Those opinions don't They're not always bad. Just because there's the voice of the flesh doesn't mean every opinion you have is wrong. But we've got to be connected to the voice of the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. Does every opinion in the flesh, is every opinion wrong? No, it's not. Humans occasionally get it right and humans occasionally get it wrong. But there's also a voice of the enemy. And let me tell you, the devil is a deceiver. And he will come as an angel of light. What this means is that his ideas are going to look good in nature and peaceable in theory. But there's a spirit of the Antichrist attached with what's going on. And he will try to be like Christ. He will try to come and solve all the problems and have everything. He will be like Christ. That spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. I'm dealing in something right now. That spirit is already in the world. And so we have to understand and know the Bible says we know what the king is doing because we're friends. We're children. We are not ignorant of what the king is doing. The spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. And we must understand that he's trying to be like Christ. But in the end, it's going to promote hurt and pain and chaos all for his glory and not for God's glory. And so we've all got a voice of the flesh telling us what we think should happen, forming our opinions on 2020 and all of its chaos. Let me tell you, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Hear what the Spirit is saying. I know what the flesh is saying. I know what my flesh is saying. I know all the opinions that I have. I know the opinions of this world. I know many of your opinions in here. All I got to do is look on Facebook and see what's going on and all of our opinions. But we've got to get away from our own opinions and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
The opinion of the flesh is loud. It's out there. It's in our face. But the spirit is that still small voice. And if this church can get connected to the opinion of the spirit, if we can get connected to the voice of the spirit, if we can get connected to him during this time, we are the sons and the daughters of God. We are not ignorant to what he's doing. We are not ignorant to his work, but we are a part of this kingdom. We're going to fight as servants, but we're going to know as children and so we've got to go out as his children hear what God is speaking to the church hear what God is speaking to his church I was on the phone with a pastor in Metro Detroit he's an ambassador to the United Nations and pastors right in the heart of Metro Detroit and he was speaking and he's very much in the middle of this and he told us something on a call that puts this kingdom mindset into perspective. Now stay with me here. First off, how many know Satan is a deceiver? He's a deceiver. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He dwells in the midst of chaos, correct? He dwells in the midst of chaos. I've heard it said that if you want to see where the seed of Satan is, look where the most chaotic place is. He dwells in the midst of chaos and I believe that spirit is very much in this nation. It's all over the world, but it's very much in this nation right now. He dwells in the midst of chaos, and yet the Bible says that even in the kingdom of chaos, even in the kingdom of Kel, even in the kingdom of Satan, he must have unity in order to survive. Mark 12, 26 says, And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall his kingdom stand? The kingdom of Satan cannot stand divided. It cannot stand divided. At the start of this message, I told you that the rapture is closer than ever before. Allow me to get into a little bit of eschatology or the study of the end times, the study of the rapture. The pastor that I talked with, he said that everyone wants to be unified right now and they're demanding unity and Right now, something new is taking place and that everybody that's gathering together, everyone that's on the marches, when you look at it, there's more unity than ever before around this. You're seeing all races come together. You're seeing all ethnicities come together. You're seeing people of different backgrounds. You're seeing everything come together and we're seeing more ethnic unity than ever before on these marches. That's never happened in the history of America. That's never happened before. And I'm Hear, hear what I'm saying here in the spirit. We need a spirit of unity. But right now, people are marching for racial salvation. This is in his words. This is what he said. They're marching for racial salvation. What if we could get that kind of fire and march for a soul salvation? We're marching demanding the salvation of the flesh. But if we stood up demanding the salvation of the spirit, it would take care of the flesh. If we started working towards salvation of the spirit, it would take care of the flesh. He said, right now the world is becoming more dependent upon each other than dependent upon God. And please hear these words correctly with the right spirit. But we're unifying in the purpose of the flesh. We're unifying against corona. I'm going to get into that. We're unifying against racial injustice. We're unifying against all of this. But it's benefiting something else. It's benefiting our flesh. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's taking us away from unity around the spirit. We're in an absolute paradox right now. 
And that we want unity in everything that's going on, but it's taking us away from unity of the spirit. We know that Satan's kingdom must be unified in order for it to succeed. So sooner or later, Satan must unify his kingdom on the platform of division. I'm going to say that again. Y'all were a little quiet there. He must unify his kingdom on the platform of division. Unity around chaos. It's a paradox, but it's the Bible. He's got to have unity around chaos. We... Know that Satan's kingdom must be unified for it in order for him to succeed. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That word advantage means strategic attack or strategic planning. Satan is a strategic planner. He is a strategic planner. Our minds need to be in this as much as the spirit. We need to understand and know what is going on around us. We are a part of the kingdom of God and we must know what is taking place around us. As I've traveled, as I've been around America and around the world, I've, I've seen different countries, I've seen different things and America is the most unified ethnically, multi-ethnically, multi-culturally than any other nation that I've been to. I realize we've got a lot of work to do, but we are the most diversified. You look at the marches, you look at the church, you look at everything that's going on. Our, our church here, I, I want a multicultural church. I've studied, I've read books, I've done everything. That's my undergrad and my master's program. I want that, and we match the demographics of the city in this church, but I want more, and I want to go deeper in that. Yes, there will always be bad apples and crazy, wacko racists, and that's absolute straight sin. But the majority that I've talked to of friends and leaders and different ethnicities, we are unified around diversity. The majority of the church specifically is unified around this. Stay with me. But right now there is a cry of unity around disunity. We're unifying against the few that are disunified. We're unified around disunity. Let me jump over to the coronavirus. This ambassador said that in the United Nations, he's sitting in the United Nations meeting and leaders of nations that have been disunified for years cannot get along on anything at all. They've been disunified for years, never able to get along. He said they're becoming unified around what needs to be done to stop and halt the coronavirus. They're working together on projects that are absolutely scary that match up with the Bible and end time prophecies all for our protection. There are leaders who have never been unified who are now unifying together. Okay, so we've got this different background here. Let me get into a little bit of eschatology, the Bible says in Matthew 24, the end time chapter, that nations shall rise against nation. That, that means ethnicities shall rise against ethnicities. And then it says kingdom shall rise against kingdom. And that's different groups, different peoples. So nations or countries rising against countries. And so we know that near the end, there are going to be ethnic wars and there are going to be kingdom wars. But then in Revelation 19, 19, John speaking in this revelatory book says, Then I saw the beasts and the kings of this world and their armies gathered together to fight against Jesus. So we go from every kingdom and nation being divided to all of them gathered together to fight against Jesus. They're all unified, but they're unified against the cross. They're unified against Jesus. We have a world promoting unity right now, but it's in the flesh. You see sides forming opinions and unity around hatred. 
It's leading us to a savior who's going to fix all the problems of corona. He's going to fix all the problems of racial injustice. He's going to fix all the problems. And it's going to be a good thing. Or so it's going to look like a good thing. But it's the spirit of the antichrist. And I'm not saying, please understand in the spirit right now. I'm not saying that we don't need unity. We need unity. I, we all know and see that everything taking place is an atrocity. But we're seeing that the spirit is also working in this. The devil is strategically planning in this. There's so much I'm not going to go into, but we've, we've got a world promoting unity in the flesh. We've got promoting unity in all these things, and he's going to stand up and declare all these things, leading us towards a one-world government, a one-world religion, one religion, and it's happening underneath our noses. All of this is taking place all around us. But we've got to walk after the Spirit. We've got to walk after the Spirit. We've got to walk after the Spirit. We've got to hear what the Spirit is saying. I know that we've all got opinions, some of them good, some of them not good. But we've got to get away from what we're telling ourselves and get towards what God is saying because he has a word for his church. Make no doubt about it. God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for what we are going to do. God has a strategic point and focus. And I thank God that we're doing these things, Kenya and Mark and Sister Rachel, we're doing these things and looking towards spiritual warfare and understanding what's going on and getting out in our city and promoting unity of the spirit, promoting unity around the cross. We're getting into these things we've got to know what is taking place stand with me if you would I'm coming to a close I realize much of what I've said here is maybe not typical preaching but more of an expository preaching of understanding what's going on but I believe that this is the word that God has for our church of what we're going to do what we're going to do moving forward this church has been prophesied that this is an end time church and we're walking in toward the end time. And so we need to start acting like an end time church. We need an understanding of the times, an understanding of what is going on. I was praying during the, I was praying the other day and during my prayer I was reminded of the scripture. I felt a prompting in the Holy Ghost and felt a prompting towards the scripture that said, blessed is he that readeth. And I talked to God and I said, Lord, I know I've got to get in your word more. I'd, I've got to get in your word more. And so during that day, in my reading, Revelation 16, 15, it said, blessed is he that watcheth. Blessed is he that watcheth or gives strict attention to. Blessed is he that is cautious is what that can mean. And, and keeps his garments, guards, reserves, his mantle, his call, his will, his purpose lest he walk naked or without a body and they see his shame. This is a body right here. This is the body of the church. Blessed is he that watches, that's cautious of what's going on during this time because we've got to guard and reserve our call, our purpose. This church has a divine purpose, a divine plan that we are about to walk into. We've got a divine plan of revival that our pastor gets up here and preaches about revival. It seems like every single Sunday and we're hearing revival and we're walking into revival and we're experiencing revival. We've got to watch and see what is going on. As a church, we need to watch what is going on with spiritual eyes. We need to guard and reserve our calling, our purpose, the desire that God has put in us. And those who don't will be walking naked. They'll be 
not a part of the body anymore. The church has a divine plan, a divine purpose in this kingdom, an assignment in the will of God. Don't get distracted. Blessed is he that watcheth. I've been, when I get up here and I speak about different things like this, I talk to different people. I want to hear what the spirit is saying to the church in different areas. I'm not talking about just this church, but churches all over, different people of different backgrounds, different people of different cultures, different people all around. And the spirit is saying the same thing all across this church. It's saying the same thing. Don't be worried about what's going on in this world. Get connected to the spirit because God's doing something in this time. We can't walk after the flesh. That which is flesh is flesh, but you've been born of the spirit. You're not of the flesh anymore. We've got to walk after the Spirit. We need to have a voice during this. It's not that we're not to have a voice, but we have a different voice. We have a kingdom voice. We've got the voice of the Spirit behind us. We're not going to disregard what's going on, but we're going to speak to it with the voice of God behind us. So what do we do? We need unity. We need unity. We need unity. I know this is deep here, but this church is called to be an end-time revival church. We must understand the times that we live in. Our unity does not look the same as others. It doesn't look the same as others, but it's a unity around the cross. The cross will take care of everything else. If we could just get a unity around the cross, everybody, all different backgrounds, all different cultures came to the cross sick and healthy came to the cross different opinions came to the cross everybody came to the cross we need a unity around the cross what would happen if the church proclaimed the name of Jesus as loud as we proclaimed our opinions if the church got up and said okay I'm going to shout the name of Jesus some of you have started speaking louder than you ever have before to people outside of these walls that you never talked about Jesus that loud. You never talked about him that loud. And I'm not here to rebuke, but I'm here to say, let's come together and unify in this together. Unify around what God is doing in our church. Blessed is he that watcheth. Blessed is he that readeth. I'm not saying we're not doing it. These prayer walks that we've been doing in the city, that's the Spirit speaking. That's the Spirit speaking to individuals and saying, hey, let's come together in unity. Let's come together in unity for our city. We've had people joining. I wish we'd get out on outreach more and unity together. We'd get out on different things and start creating unity. Our unity doesn't look the same as others. Our unity doesn't look the same as others, but we've got to have a unity of the Spirit, a unity around relationship with Jesus Christ we need to be unified together we are in this world but not of this world let me tell you I love the people of this world I'm not a part of them but I love the people of this world but more than anything they need a church they need Jesus they need Jesus they need a God they need a father so who is our father who is our daddy Are we walking after the flesh? Are we walking after our own opinions, our own thoughts? Are we getting connected to the Father? Are we getting connected to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who has never lost a battle, who's not going to lose, and who we know is going to take care of us? Are we getting connected to the Father in the Spirit? Are we going to walk after the flesh, or are we going to walk after the Spirit? I know we've got different restrictions, different opinions, and different things in place that not everyone can come forward. But for those that want to come forward, you can.